and good evening and welcome to another episode of Religions, Regimes and Refugees and their Multicultural Mess and Secular Scam. Thank you so much for joining me today. Um, it is the weekend and that's why I'm doing another episode today. And um, it, it was a, a project I was uh, working on for a very long time and I thought I just needed to do it and finish it after a video I saw on Facebook. Um, which was related to a video I did a little earlier on, on, um, <coughs> excuse me, the industry out of criticizing India. What I grew up uh, with, uh, how this works on the inside, what were the policies uh, and ideology that got us to where we were. Um, appeasement, my friend, the appeasement of these colonial empires um, have led us to uh, this junction of, um, of creating the industry in India and in the world for criticizing India. Um, I have taken, I have got notes all about the place on my papers and everywhere. So if you hear papers being ruffled, it's because it's my notes. Again, I apologize for it. Uh, but I have to do this. The the podcast is called Appeasement. When I talk about appeasement, again, I am talking about ideologies. I'm talking about ecosystems. I am not talking of Mr. and Mrs. Everyone on the on the street, our neighbors, our friends. Um, I'm talking about the ecosystem and their establishment. Very important. The ideology, the establishment, and the ecosystem. 99% of the people are just, um, you know, slaves in this movement, in this mentality. Uh, 1% controls the status quo and that one percent in the ideology behind it is what I am trying to bring to you today under the podcast of appeasement now I will start this um, I will start this podcast with a quote from Denzel Washington who was an actor African-American actor in the United States and he says if you don't watch um, Someone asked him, do you watch the news? And he said, well, if you don't watch the news, you are misinformed. If you watch the news, uh, sorry, um, if you if you don't watch the news, you're uninformed. If you watch the news, you're misinformed. Um, so the interviewer said, well, what did you do? Um, he says, uh, the long-term effect of, of too much in information um, is the need not even um, not even to be true anymore. It is the need to be first. That means you have to be first. Um, to be number one out there. To provide your information right off the bat, even if it's not true. Um, some uh, have... Um, journalism, journalists have a responsibility to tell the truth. And not just be the first to give out, to spit out the news, or to say the news. We have, we have, we live in a society today um, that to be the first uh, to give out the news first um, is more important. Uh, we don't care who we destroy, and we don't care if it's true, we just have to sell it. That, my dear friends, is the long and short of the story. And this comes from uh, establishments, ecosystems, power, um, 
alliances uh, alliances and you you don't care what you're saying as long as you maintain your alliance um, this is a longer symptom of appeasement uh, so I'm gonna start with my favorite Abrahamic religions because I come from there again I'm talking of the uh, ecosystem the ideologies I'm not talking of mr. and mrs. on the everybody on the on the street okay um, so everyone who challenges the narrative of uh, Abrahamic re religion uh, is automatically labeled hate speech, phobia, supremacy, fear, negative. Uh, yet God controls all our actions on the surface of the planet. Then why does he give them these experiences? Um, why do they give, he gives his, his uh, Abrahamic slaves these experiences? Well, um, they are slaves. They are not, uh, um, you know, really people of God. They also are relics of colonial empires, legitimized by God. It is important to understand that when these empires were dying out and losing uh, adherence to new ideologies in the mid 1940s, in the mid uh, 20th century, with um, all these new ideologies had modern vocabulary, such as justice, social justice, uh, democrat, uh, democracy, social equality, rights. Um, they had to ally these relics of empires. Uh, had to uh, ally the new to with the new power system in the form of Marxism, socialism, communalism. So if not, they would all lose power. So for the next 75 years, uh, since the end of the World War II, we see Ab um, an Abrahamic socialist Marxist combined. Although this is the most bizarre of combinations, but power makes for strange bedfellows, my friends. Temporary friends for power. Uh, as I like to say, uh, power is heterogeneous, but ideologies are homogeneous. This combination of socialist Marxist Abrahamic uh, Abraham uh, ideolo ideologues is a toxic combination uh, made for power. Secularism is on paper about justice for poor and for the downtrodden, for the angry and victims, for hollow vocabulary, for social camouflage. Um, it's only a narrative. But nothing can stop the currents that form the waves. Socialism is about power. Uh, so concentration of power, centralizing the power. So, um, so uh, submission to power is the same concept as these colonial religions. The moment you go against this combine, then the defense mechanism is um, in this power-laden supremacy is hate, is to accuse you and chastise you of hate, phobia, fear, uncivilized, um, um, insecurity, ignorance, and thereby leading to violence, which these supremacists will blame on you. They are so perfect, their ideology um, can be camouflaged by hollow vocabulary, that they believe in this rhetoric. Take the case of the Godra rites. Islamist mobs absolutely burnt alive 59 Hindus in the, in the train compartment. These people were blamed for the violence and the loot and the um, 
looting, the uh, these people would then blame for violence, looting, rioting, raping, and aggravating Muslims. So first, they blame the they burn the 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 trains, the compartments of the trains. They close just like in 1947 during partition. They made sure they cl closed the door shut. They made sure that they closed all the exits and did not allow the passengers to leave and burnt them alive, women and children. Not one, um, not one uh, Western media or Islamic media talked about this. They were considered dirt. They were considered kufar, uncivilized people, just considered uncivilized. So it doesn't matter. Uh, it doesn't matter at all uh, if, you know, an uncivilized kufar goes to hell because after all, he's a kufar, he's a najas. Um, and so they were just degraded, but you could see bodies coming out of the train. It was surreal. Um, so how can 59 women and children burnt alive be the reason for the blame of Islamist mobs? thugs and goons. Thus, it is in their constraint. Such is their um, constant uh, such, sorry, um, such is their constraint with, with Allah, uh, because he asked them to destroy the kufar. It's written in their book. So that's exactly what they're doing. They're following the orders of, of Allah. Have you heard any um, of the woke, uh, this woke Western Islamist channels ever mentioning the names of these people who were burnt alive? No, but the socialist Marxists combined their ecosystem behind had no problem protecting these thugs and and then turned the narrative against the, the victims and against the perpetual enemies of the big bad, uh, that is the big bad Hindu idolater. So the Hindus are uncivilized, caste, dalit, um, uncivilized people, dirty people, filthy people, um, and, and basically that's it. I, I can tell you, I still get this narrative from people who I know very well telling me has no, they have no guts to say that Hindus are, are filthy. They have no guts to say Hindus are poor. Uh, but they tell me Indians. When they say Indians, who are the bulk of the Indians? bulk of the Indians are, um, are Hindus. So basically they're trying to say to the back door, uh, where they don't have the guts to say to the front door, that Hindus are dirty people, Hindus are filthy people, Hindus are dirt, Hindus have no, uh, are corrupt, Hindus are liars, Hindus are the worst people in the world. This is what they keep on saying. Repeat and repeat. And I've got that toll on my face so many times. You know, the worst thing is I actually believed this a long time ago. And this was me. This was me a long time ago. This was the indoctrination of my mind for so long. And I keep repeating it because I want people to understand what we went through while, while most of the, of the Indian subcontinent got independence from these uh, colonial invaders, we, the relics of these colonial invaders who were, who were colonized and converted, continued uh, to be on their uh, slave plantation and they indoctrinated us with this negative narrative and we believed it, we, we repeated it and the trauma that it caused us, the negativity that it caused us was 
triple and, 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 and quadruple with the mental health issues that come out of this negative narrative, it's still being said, I have people who I know which who are considered minority behind the back, behind the doors. They repeat this on your face and they know that I'm not Christian anymore. They know that I don't consider myself part of their ridiculous, filthy gangs. Um, but they still, still, and so they do it on purpose, telling it to me. But um, this is the narrative, my friend, behind the appeasement, behind um, the Godra riots, um, and the se the so-called secularist, but the, in reality, socialist Marxist combined ecosystem behind had no problem in protecting these thugs, and then. Um, turn the narrative against the victims and perpetual enemies of the big bad Hindus. How very nice had these relics of colonial empires uh, had the courtesy to apologize for the crimes upon humanity on Indian soil? No, they have whitewashed their sins by transferring their atrocities to their hands to the Hindus. They then saying that they believe in peace Oh, and we believe in peace. We believe in harmony. It is a, f it is an absolute, a lie, and it's a thug lie. Um, but then, their supremacy is uh, eternal. Um, what they don't understand is that every single person in India needs to understand that it is your currents that form the waves, that they are rapists. Uh, who rape you, they are like rapists who rape you and then they tell you, they threaten you not to go to the police or he will kill your family. On top of this, they want you to patronize them, to submit to them, glorify them and let them grab your land and say that God gave it to them. They want you to submit to them as the legitimate heir of their empires that have now been long gone. That is what they want. They are the legitimate heirs, uh, the feudal lords, and by subjugating and being submissive to them, uh, you are you are legitimate in uh, believing in God. You, your legitimacy to God only starts with believing in these thugs uh, and their ecosystem, and they make you into a thug then. So it's no different. Um, this is no different than the. Um, uh, the, the political situation in Goa. Uh, a former chief minister, Digambar Kamat, from uh, a former Muslim, uh, sorry, a former chief minister of Goa, um, with the Congress, left the Congress and joined the BJP. He, among eight other Goan MLAs, or so members of the legis legislative assemblies, took an oath before God in front of temples, churches, mosques and that they would not deflect uh, to the BJP or any other party. Uh, then the party, then um, he left as the congressman, was as the congress became redundant. People are, are criticizing uh, him for being a liar, and they're threatening, uh, and how Mr. Karmat is threatening the democratic purpose, uh, process. Similarly, these Abrahamic colonial religions swear to the Indian constitution that they will respect the constitution, they respect all religions, but they kill and murder, rape, grab land, and then they say they work for God. They're doing the work for God if not, um, and if, if, if you do not think that we have no respect for 
if you if you think that we have no respect for God, you're right because you you're tugging your your a feudal lord. You keep grabbing land. You keep converting people, which means you don't respect other religions. Uh, you keep brainwashing your congregations to play the divide and rule to to live in fear, to build a moat of fear around them, to believe that their own uh, adherents, their neighbors, their friends are filthy. You have no they brainwash us to to believe us that our own neighbors are, are low-level, uncouth people uh, with this negative narrative, uh, and you expect us to believe that your God is worth it. No, I'm sorry, that's why we're leaving. We're leaving in hordes where there's an exodus, and, and I, I couldn't be happier that we're finally waking up. Um, People who grew up in the socialist Islamic Christian homes, relics of colonial empires, are saying no to these colo this colonial arrogance and their hangovers. We want a better future and to tell the next generation what mistakes we made. This acute negative vitriol speech is a symbolism, is a symptom of Abrahamic social Marxist combined. Their gender... Um, behind the narrative is an ancient one rebranded since the world wars to destroy and subjugate anyone um, who stands up to their colonial arrogance as the real problem when they point their fingers at others they only show us a mirror image of who they are um, feudal um, their abrahamic hung hunger uh, their feudalism um, um, who does not understand that they are they are hungry power hungry feudal group who does not understand and it's their currents that form the wave so when they when they offload their defense mechanism of hate of negativity of vitriol of supremacy against someone else they're just showing us the mirror image of who they are um, All of this is a symptom of the socialist Marxist Abrahamic combine, and it's called appeasement. Uh, this started after the world wars, or a little bit before the world wars ended, uh, because the colonial empires knew they were coming to an end. They had to keep their, the ecosystem was still on the ground. Just because their power remained doesn't mean the ecosystem is going to remain is going to disappear and and they had to ally with a new power the new power was the socialist marxist combined and guess what it worked in india because we're stupid um so where did this all start from in india my dear friends it started with the caliphate movement i think we all know about the movement um there is a video on my website that i um found um i found um uh, on Facebook and I will uh, direct you to that site. It's a YouTube video. It is fantastic. You have to listen to it. And I'm just going to read uh, it out a little bit of it uh, in, and in my own words, but I guarantee you that uh, the video is fantastic. It belongs to uh, the site Upward. That's U-P-W-O-R-D dot C-O um, U-P dot um, upword.co so this is the website this is the the website that uh made the video and and i would suggest that you all take a look at it so appeasement my friend um 
is started in India with the, well, I would say it started even before the Rajputs allied with the Mughal Empire. You had a appeasement for power, uh, um, um, a combine, an alliance for power with the Delhi Sultanate. Uh, who you think came in and allowed these people to come in and from the inside? You had the Arabs who came in who allied with the Hebrews and the uh, Aramaic people who were refugees in this land who opened the door for them. Yes, all of this uh, existed. And so this is goes back very far but as we know in the modern terms it starts with it, it you can go back to appeasement or you can go back to the Khilafat movement so what is the Khilafat movement it was a spark that converted these uh, failing feudal empires into so-called minority religions they were not minorities at all they were feudal colonial empires who were always in the minority but they used their alliance to rise up to power uh, control this land as stupid fools that we are we gave it to them and uh, we've suffering in, with trauma for all these years uh, thanks to um, the ignorance and uh, power-centric uh, rule of our mentality of, um, of our ancestors uh, so Islamic empires invaders always had one goal in mind to take over and colonize the Indian subcontinent so did Christianity I, I would say um, Islam never accepts any other ideology and the Islamic political entity uh, and besides the Islamic political entity the ruler is descended from the original prophet Muhammad and is called and um, the ruler is called the Kali uh, um, uh, caliphate is called sorry the Khalifa uh, and his empire or his rule is called the Caliphate uh, they are the only two rulers of the world in the name of Allah Islam as per uh, as per Islam Muslims should submit only to Allah in the name of the Caliphate in in India the society under the Caliphate is called the Caliphate if this um, Caliphate is removed they will have to create um, a new one and reinstall the caliphate movement uh, it is not that they will not go to it if not they will not go to heaven hence the the term darul ul hav a house of war will be created that's why there are so many riots because they want to create a house of war which is sanctioned by the quran or uh, until it becomes an islamic state or darul ul Islam, which they want to by 2047. Um, a land that is uh, regulated by the colonial empire of Islam. Um, like I said, as a footnote, even Christianity did the same thing. Okay, So towards the end of the 19th century, when the Ottoman Empire was collapsing, the Emperor Abdul Hamid II looked towards India for help. So he sent someone called Jamaluddin Afghani to India, for help um, just bear with me here he asked for help in the form of a pan-islamic movement um, so at the forefront of this was dr. Muhammad uh, Maulana Abdul sorry not doctor but Maulana Kalam Azad um, the Jami, Jamia Islamic founder uh, Hakim Ajmal Khan, uh, he was a dean. Two others, uh, other Maulanas, 
um, who were also um, in this path. So between 1940 and 1923, we know the Ottoman Empire lost out. World War I came and went, and they lost their empire to the Allied powers. Indian Muslims then started the revolt of the fall of the Ottoman Empire, and in order to help them, they started the Khilafat movement. The Khilafat company were made, um, the Khilafat committee was made, and people um, united all over India. Uh, there were many committees made from north to south. As uh, the British were in the forefront of defeating the Ottomans uh, with the Allied powers, uh, and were also the colonizers of India, the Muslim um, rose up against the British Empire. Uh, in order to make the revolt successful, they were quick to ask Hindus for help, as, as the, even though the Hindus were kufr. If the Hindus did not help, the Muslims um, or others, uh, the Muslim brothers, then the Muslims' uh, honor would be at stake. So in order to help, uh, they approached the Congress leaders. Hindu Muslims were already united in revolting against the British rule in India. Hindus thought that since India was a predominantly Muslim uh, Hindu majority land, they considered the struggle a Hindu right, so the Congress had no problem with supporting the Muslim, their Muslim brethren. British said that the Congress did not represent all, all of India, so they had no right again uh, to make the unilateral move. However, then came our one and only Mr. Mohandas Karamchand Gandhi, or as we like to call him, Gandhiji, who saw this as an opportunity to join hands in, uh, in winning over the Muslim vote towards the Congress. Um, Gandhi, Gandhiji, though, thought that this would be the foundation of Hindu-Muslim unity. Um, remember, um, uh, remember that uh, Jinnah at this point was against the Khilafat movement. He was the only intelligent one. He was against the Khilafat movement. Okay, very important to note at this point. He uh, was he disposed uh, he despised mass movements because it got very emotional. It got very violent, and everyone's it becomes a vent for everyone's problem. Um, but the Congress went ahead, uh, as stupid as they were, in 17, um, on the 17th of October 1919, the Khilafat Divas, or the Khilafat Day, was uh, issued. The Congress had a variety of wings um, and subgroups within their party, and namely uh, there were a, was a socialist wing, Marxist wing, and there was also a right wing that was influenced by Europe. Um, so by the 19th of November, um, sorry, the 31st of November 2019, the Atil Bharatiya Khilafat uh, group was uh, sanctioned and inaugurated um, with the Congress party. And it is said that the Khilafat movement was joined with the uh, non-violent Swaraj movement uh, of the Congress. So non-violent um, movement was joined with the Khilafat movement. These two united together to form to help each other against the British. History has tried to show that the two uh, were apart. Uh, the Marxist um, media and academia said the two were not joined; they were apart. Um, um, 
however, um, they made for strange bedfellows because Islam by its very nature is violent. Uh, and it's a war cry uh, for power, um, always using uh, violence to get to where it goes. In reality, these two movements were united and worked together. So the Congress historians have showed that the nonviolent movement was created by the demand for independence um, and the demand to for the removal of the Rowlatt Act uh, and, the, and, and the resistance against the Jallianwalabagh massacre. But the original draft of the Congress was only for joining, um, history shows that the original draft of the Congress was only for joining the Khilafat movement. Uh, at the Congress committee, uh, one of the workers, Vijay Raja Acharya um, and some others, brought to the table that, excuse me, we need the other uh, points also to be brought to the forefront, which is Swaraj, which is removal of the Rawl attack which is what everyone had discussed, which is a revolt against the Jallianwalabad massacre. Um, only then, once it was bought, you know, people started uh, asking for these issues to be brought to the forefront, uh, that it was finally bought. But the original agenda was only uh, the Khilafat movement, to join the Khilafat movement. Ambedkar, um, um, in his book, um, you know, um, he wrote a book, uh, at, at, uh, Thoughts on Pakistan, um, uh, says, in reality, the non-cooperation movement was in reality uh, kick-started only to support the Khilafat movement. I mean, it was not uh, started for any other reason but to support the Khilafat movement. Uh, so the Khilafat movement was started to help the Ottoman Empire in Turkey, and the Congress joined the Khilafat movement to help them, uh, and they accepted the issue at the conference. The non-cooperation movement base objective, Ambedkar says, was only the Khilafat movement, and Swaraj platform was made an objective only later and joined with the Khilafat movement so that the Hindus took part in the movement. So it was the other way around and, and the Congress historians have lied to us. So Gandhi said, in order to help the Khilafat movement and make it successful, even if um, he had to push back the freedom struggle, he would do it. Thus, in order to gain traction and become uh, a Congress party, a pan-Indian party, uh, Mahatma Gandhi uh, sacrificed the Hindu, sacrificed um, uh, India and sacrifice the so-called British uh, in, in independence movement. Um, on the other side, Atatürk, uh, the you know founder of modern Turkey, um, was moving towards uh, was stopping you know moving towards uh, a secular state, and he did everything to put aside the Ottomans and the Islamic theologians who were ruling in the name of. Uh, who were ruling in the name of uh, the Ottomans. So once the Ottoman Empire came down, once the um, the power, the feudal part came down, he, their ecosystem, which is the um, the mullahs and the tullahs and the imams, were also brought down by Atatürk. Atatürk decided that you know he was going to make make it an, a very modern movement, modern country 
unlike the backward country that the uh, Ottomans left behind and their backward mentality because they knew that Turkey was not going to go anywhere and he was right. Um, so Azatürk tried at every nook and corner to put down this movement, uh, the Khilafat movement in Turkey and make it a secular state. But the other side are godforsaken Congress leaders and someone called Mahatma Gandhi who, look, there are things I like about him, things I don't like about him. I don't have to appreciate him to the end, but I don't have to say no at the same time. I uh, don't have to, you know, accept everything he does. And this was uh, one of the most ridiculous things he did. Um, but he continued the Khilafat movement only to gain traction because of his um, anger towards the British. Um, on the other side, Gandhi was selling his soul to the religious movement of violence, slavery, and war. By doing so, the Congress not only uh, not only put uh, all his eggs, uh, all their eggs, in the wrong basket, but by offering um, by offering uh, ideological, political support, and if I'm not mistaken, financial support. Uh, it became the it became the base of the colonial appeasement for the relics of these colonial empires. Okay, very important. Um, so the Congress gave the pan-Islamic leaders a place in the Congress Party. The Muslim voters uh, of the pan-Islamic movement um, and political vo uh, voters. Became found a greater space in the Congress Party and a platform to continue their colonial agenda uh, through the guise of religion, but through uh, the back door. So in 1921, Hakim Ajmal Khan, who was the dean of, of Jamia Islamia University, was then added to the list of Congress, uh, you know, workers and. Uh, Top leaders, 1923, Maulana Abdul Kalam Azad joined, and Maulana Muhammad Ali Johar, this fellow, please remember, he's very, very important to remember. And they became key players in the Congress and the um, freedom movement. In order to present the Khalifat movement um, um, and give it honor, uh, Gandhiji, within one year, um, began showing Hindus um, that their freedom dreams were coming to a forefront and they were going within a year they're going to get freedom and finally they're going to be free from the British and within a year they, he was trying to give them insurances assurances that look uh, now that we are hand in hand with the Muslims for sure that we're going to Swaraj movement this non-violent movement is going to be successful the Hindus believed uh, Gandhiji uh, and the message uh, and his message to join the Khilafat movement, but soon uh, their Khilafat movement became uh, cries of jihad, kufar, uh, violent. Um, Maulana Ali Johar, um, at this stage, um, he even went against Vande Matram. So he refused to sing the Vande Matram and got the Muslims to go against the Vande Matram, saying this is against Islam. Um, Joma said he did not believe that ordinary Muslims, uh, he, he believed that ordinary Muslims in the streets had a better value and better honor than even Mahatma Gandhi, uh, even if he was a good man. 
even if Mahatma Gandhi was a good man, he um, he believed that the Muslims on the street were better than Mahatma Gandhi. Hence, ordinary Muslims started uh, joining the pan-Islamic movement. The kafir, the kufar, uh, below the Muslims, whether they were English or Hind, were considered enemies. Um, and there was a Swami um, called Swami Shuddha uh, Dan. Um, in his words, he approached Gandhiji and said the Muslims were against the English. Um, no, he approached Gandhiji and said, look, the Muslims are using violence and uh, this is against non-violence. But Gandhiji insisted that the Muslims were only against the English. Uh, once uh, once the pan-Islamic movement, um, however, got wind, um, the Swamiji said that they will go against Hindus and no one will be able to stop them. Swamiji's words came true and in Kerala, the Mopala genocide led to approximately 10,000 uh, dead, dead, um, dead and three crores of property that were destroyed. Uh, butchered and slaughtered uh, by the uh, Muslim uh, Islamic pan uh, pan Islamic movement. Uh, it was the British who stopped this, not the Congress, and definitely not Mahatma Gandhi. Okay, so the Servants of India inquiry report uh, shows there was rape, gang rape, murder of Hindus. There were Muslims who died too, but um, no one ever talked about it. It calls it the Mopala riot. It was not riot. It was a genocide. Uh, but the uh, intention, intentional um, uh, selective amnesia, which is a part of Abrahamic groups uh, to cover up for their supremacy, um, sorry, because their supremacy is uh, eternal, um, will continue being under the table until you change your mind. Uh, Maulana Azad um, said, and more importantly, um, at this point, he was he was not yet a big Congress leader. He was uh, he was against Hindus. He was a Maulana. He said uh, more importantly than the British, uh, the 22, 22 crores Hindus are bigger enemies of the Muslims. This pan-Islamic movement spread to Punjab, Bengal, Hyderabad, and in on on the 9th of September, nineteen twenty-four, to the northwest. Frontier province, and we had the Kolat riots. We know that where the Muslim, Hindus were only five percent of the population, but in order to exterminate this population, um, they were slaughtered. I think the the people there were about hundred and fifty odd people who were slaughtered. Three thousand two hundred were made to fled, and um, and there was rape, there was murder, there was loot, but it didn't matter because Islam was. Um, you know, the greatest thing in the world, and that's what they wanted. Uh, that was written in their books. And Mahatma Gandhi, of course, did nothing. Fatwas were, were issued uh, by, Maha, uh, by Muhammad Ali Johar uh, and said uh, that if the Afghans invaded India, um, Muslims had to side with the Afghans and not the Hindus. India was described as a Darul Ul Harb, that means a land of war until the the, the Muslim um, empire was resurrected, uh, the caliphate was resurrected, and Islam ruled the subcontinent. 
1923, he was made a leader of the Congress, this Muhammad Ali Johar. It is unbelievable that the Congress still made him a member of the, of the, of the Congress, uh, a leader of the Congress. Um, he was also made uh, a member of the All India Muslim Committee, who then sided with Pakistan. And it is said that in 2006, there was a university in Rampur, Uttar Pradesh, with his name on the, um, as, the, as the Maulana Ali Johar University was established. And in Delhi and Mumbai, there are streets named after this, this uh, I'm not going to say the name, but this whatever you want to call him, this man. Um, so the Jamia Islamia University, what, he was one of the founders of the Jamia Islamic University. In 1924, on the 3rd of March, Turkey put a stop to the Khilafat movement and, and, and destroyed it. In India, the British did the same. And it shows uh, that the, the Khilafat movement and its Islamic ecosystem was against secularism because Turkey's Atatürk was about secularism. It was, it was about getting the Muslims out of this uh, mindset uh, of the slavery of the Ottoman Empire, that they were backward people. So. Atatürk himself destroys the Khilafat movement, the Islamic ecosystem, but our, the British destroyed it. But our, our goon, that's called Muhammad, Muhammad, sorry, Mohandas Karamchand Gandhiji, uh, Gandhi, or as we call him Gandhiji, had no problem in fanning the flames of this and making it even bigger. And today, 75 years later, or should I say, um, almost 100 years later, we pay the price for his uh, disgust. Um, so how, however, um, so yes, so, um, it shows that the Khilafat movement and its Islamic ecosystem was against secularism. So how did they join the Congress government and who gave them oxygen to balloon to 200 million, uh, in hundred years? Um, on one side, the Congress handcuffed the country and Hindus and forced a secularism on them. And Turkey itself was, um, Turkey itself was uh, destroying it. But uh, no, you can't tell that to our godforsaken Congress leaders. Um, so your ordinary Muslims started joining the pan-Islamic movement because of this. The Kufr was... Um, the Kufar was the um, Hindus below, and and it has not stopped from there. Um, so the Congress Socialist Movement, allied with this, the religious relics of colonial empires among the uh, Muslims and even among the Christians, uh, pretending to be the pillars of God on earth while calling themselves secular. They were not. Uh, Going back, the failure of going back, the failure of the Caliphate movement was uh, uh, was said was blamed by the Islamic leaders on the Hindus and the Indian National Congress for their loss of honor. All these people joined the All India Muslim League, and Mahatma Gandhi's Hindu Muslim Unity went down the tubes, went down the drains. Um, they were um, yes. So all in the people joined the All India Muslim League and 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 fought for Pakistan against India. And after that, not only did we have the the the, 
not only did we have the genocide of the Mopla riots, we had the 1946 Direct Action Day riots and genocide, and we had the genocide on, on uh, the Pakistan's, on the Karachi Sindh um, border and Punjab border, all because of this pan-Islamic movement. Uh, because of this lie, Mahatma Gandhi, uh, just Mahatma Gandhi's Congress, um, uh, that was supposed to be above all religions, um, and the treachery of the Islamic movement and their lies under the Muslim um, ecosystem, the Islamic ecosystem, um, and their pan-Islamic agenda, a lot of people started leaving the Congress. We also know that in 1923, if I'm not mistaken, um, the RSS was formed. Uh, and if it was not for the lie of, of, of the Congress, of Mahatma Gandhi, um, I don't know why we're calling him Mahatma still, but anyway, we'll, we'll stick to it. Because of the lie of the Congress, um, the, 19, the, the RSS was formed. If not, there would be no RSS. So everyone talking about RSS um, hate and supremacy, they have no idea about the history. They're just pointing three fingers back to themselves. Um, they, they have no idea. They're just repeating like thugs uh, because they have to be first in their news. Even if it's not true, they will be first in their news and even if it destroys other people and eventually destroys themselves, but they don't care. Uh, so a lot of people left the Congress. This led to 75 years, my dear friends, more than 75 years of appeasement. Um, this has to be studied very well. The weakness of the Hindus was taking an advantage. And even after 1945, 1947, nothing has changed. Today in, 1922, in 2022, this stupid mentality has become a basis of the Indian governments whoever they are, this appeasement, as we call it, this movement did not die down and was brought to life by the CAA protest. When asked what is the relation between of India and uh, the Muslims of India, and sorry, when asked what was the relation between the Indian Muslims and Turkey, the answer by the ecosystem was that all worldwide Muslims are one ummah, and this appeasement is which has destroyed our lives uh, by the relics of these empire, it's not just on the outside, it was what these relics of empires and their sick ecosystem is doing on the inside to the youth, to destroy the emotional, mental health, and to by brainwashing uh, them with this hate, fear, violence, um, and that they, we remain relics of colonial empires. So on the inside, while people look at this from the outside, on the inside, from the time we are born, the relics of these empires control our lives. Okay, completely control our lives. Uh, from morning to evening. They control what we say. They control what we do. They control how we say, where, what we wear, where we go. Everything is controlled. And they create an ecosystem that everyone watches over the other. The moment you go out of line, you will be told. And the mental health issues that is brought about this is unreal. People who are major, major people, doctors, lawyers, nurses, all are brainwashed with this narrative. And even if they are such huge people, uh, you know, very educated people, the brainwashing is so stuck in their head that it's incredible. And this causes 
uh, this causes an ecosystem of negativity of vitriol uh, on the inside um, and this has become an industry they have created an industry of criticizing India and these people when they go out of India when we go out of India uh, we continue this terrain we continue the currents continue and the waves continue and we repeat it to others and you can see video after video uh, of people asking uh, do you know Mar Narendra Modi? Oh, well, he is the RSS BJP uh, hate speecher, hate monger, uh, Nazi, and all these things. But none of them know the history of, of this journey. And the socialist, Marxist, Abrahamic combine has done a very good job of, of creating this narrative uh, to its detriment, but what they don't understand is we're cyclic. At one point, we will they it'll come to an end, and when it comes to an end, it will come crashing down on them, and it's the they're the only people to be blamed. No one else is to be blamed in this nonsense. Their ignorance and their choice of being ignorant, their choice of being negative. When you when you do not want to feel when you when you look at yourself in the mirror and say, well, how can I be negative for so long? At one point, I ha there's something that's wrong. I have to dig deeper. They're not going to do it until, until you know, they, they come to the rock bottom of the barrel. So it is important to say it. It's important to understand it. It's very, very important. And um, to understand the history behind this, to heal, not to, to be angry because there's no use being angry, but to... Uh, to understand what can we learn from this junction, how can we share this, how can we have this dialogue, how can we externalize it and make sure that we stop appeasement at every nook and corner. We have used in knowledge by having the discussion and externalizing our, our emotions, um, by writing, by sharing it, uh, by speaking to your family, your friends, uh, your, me your social media groups, and talking about it, stopping this appeasement in every single nook and corner, using knowledge to get this through. Whether people agree with you, whether people don't agree with you, it is important uh, because we will not survive. It's very much like a husband who hits his wife and she says, oh, well, the next time it's okay. The next time it's okay. You know, he won't do the next time, but he will not stop because it's our currents that form the waves. And it has to stop by knowledge, my dear friends, not by violence, because violence begets violence. So it has to stop by violence. It has to stop by having the knowledge and it has to stop by you standing up and saying no is no. And we are not going to vote for this to the government, to anyone who appeases. We are not going to submit to you. This is not about hating anyone, even if you want to accuse me of hate. Or you want to accuse people of, of phobia, xenophobia and their defense mechanism. Of, of subjugating people to uh, with their narrative, uh, even if it um, you know as long as they are first on the on the job, um, it doesn't matter. Uh, even if it destroys lives, even if it's lies, even if it's not the truth, even if they just want to be first and use it as a defense mechanism to um, to protect themselves. But in reality, the only thing, the best mechanism that you have is knowledge. And the best way of using it is by spreading the knowledge, having that conversation, doing your research, asking those questions. That is the most important. So uh, I know we've spoken for a very long time. I hope you had a great day. This is my second podcast today, but I just felt the need to finish this, the need to finish this podcast and to say it because I've been doing this for a while. 
and I thought that uh, the podcast number 175 that I did a couple of days ago merited this, and so I said, well, I'll do it today. So thank you so much for your time. I hope you have a great, great day.